0: Hey, folks, if you've been listening to our show, you've probably heard Victor talk about Hillsdale College. It's one of the few colleges in the U.S. still interested in teaching truth. What you probably didn't know is that they have over 40 free online courses, and Victor is one of the professors in three of those courses, American Citizenship and Its Decline, based on Victor's book, The Dying Citizen, How Progressive Elites, Tribalism, and Globalization Are Destroying the Idea of America, The Second World Wars, based on his book by the same name, and Athens and Sparta, partly based on his book, A War Like No Other, How the Athenians and Spartans Fought the Peloponnesian War. Don't you wish Victor would have been one of your professors in college? Well, now you can join him as he covers some of the main ideas of his books with Hillsdale College's online courses All available for free. That's right, for free. The courses are seven to nine episodes long, and they are self-spaced, so you can take them whenever and wherever. I think I'm going to start with American citizenship and its decline, where Victor explores the history of citizenship in the West and the threats it faces today. Threats like the erosion of the middle class, the disappearance of our borders, the growth of an unaccountable deep state and the rise of globalist organizations hey start your free course with Victor Davis Hanson today go right now to hillsdale.edu/vdh to start it's free and it's easy to get started that's hillsdale.edu/vdh to start hillsdale.edu/vdh
1: Hello, and welcome to the Victor Davis Hanson Show. Victor is the Martin and Ellie Anderson Senior Fellow in Military History and Classics at the Hoover Institution, and the Wayne and Marsha Buskey Distinguished Fellow in History at Hillsdale College. Uh, this is our Friday News Roundup, so we're going to look at some of the news from the week, some stories. Uh, we'll start out with Biden's secret addresses and Trump's trial dates in the 2024 calendar. Stay with us, and we'll be right back.
0: great tasting meals. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. What are you waiting for? For our listeners, Factor is giving you 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month when you use the promo code VICTOR50 at FactorMeals.com slash Victor 50. Choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or simply eat well-balanced. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Remember, to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month, head to factormeals.com slash Victor 50. That's V-I-C-T-O-R and use the code VICTOR50, that's code VICTOR50, at factormeals.com slash VICTOR50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Can't pay the IRS? Haven't filed in a while? Receiving threatening letters? Yeah, it's about to get worse. The IRS is hiring an army of agents targeting hardworking Americans like you. You need warriors on your side. You need. Tax Network USA. Tax Network USA has brilliant strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. For instance, they've discovered a limited time special offer that the IRS is willing to waive $1 billion in penalties. Find out if you qualify before it's too late. Never call the IRS alone. Let Tax Network USA attorneys handle it. They have preferred direct lines to the IRS. They know which agents to work with and which to avoid. They've resolved over $1 billion in tax debts and offer a best-in-class guarantee. Schedule your free consultation now. Call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit TNUSA.com slash Victor. TNUSA.com slash Victor.
1: Welcome back. So, Victor, um, this is a very strange thing, or maybe not so strange at all. Joe Biden has some secret ad- uh, email addresses that he was using, and they are Robin Ware for six Robert L. Peters, and J.R. Beware. <laughs> is that Junior Beware? <laughs> Anyways, these are email addresses that he was using while he was vice president of the United States. And we have lots of information on those. And I was wondering, what are your thoughts on the recent Biden corruption scandal that is not hitting the courts at all, but we all know it's there?
2: Well, this just week. The the request for information from the House seems to suggest there's thousands thousands of emails under those three pseudonyms that Joe Biden, when he left office, they were transmitted on government appurtenances and therefore they're public property, but nobody apparently knew who who they belonged to or they knew that they were Joe Biden's, but they gave him an exemption. But think of that for a minute. Here we have the President of the United States who's accused in a 360-degree fashion from a variety of forces sources of being corrupt. And now we learn that he had three aliases. And we nobody's read those emails. And they're under subpoena. And so the question is, why did he do it? Why did he use a fake name to communicate with his son if it was not to dodge public transparency. So I think that's something. And remember when we were talking about the EPA director under um, Barack Obama did that, I think she used the word Richard Windsor, and then she was praising herself and acting as if this person was a high level EPA official. They fired her for that. And of course, we remember everybody who does this, in other words, Sammy, is a de facto admission that there's something wrong with themselves. Remember, Pierre. We talked about that with Jack. Is it Pierre delecto? Pierre
1: delecto. Uh, yes. <laughs>
2: and then we had uh, Carlos well, Danger. Carlos Danger. They yeah. always have delecto danger. G- you beware. Jay, J yeah, beware. Gr-
1: beware. It's always yeah. got
2: to be some little clever hook to disguise the fact that they don't want it. <laughs> it brings up a whole larger issue. One thing I don't like is when people send me tweets, I don't go on Twitter, but when they send me face shots of it or photoshops of it or whatever, they have these fake little faces. You know what I mean? They have, they all have pseudonyms and then they have, they don't have their face. They have cartoon faces or movie star faces. Yes. And at least I can say that I've never done that. If I've written anybody, I've always used my name and I don't disguise myself and I take blame or credit for what i write and that if you're the president of the united states and you can't do that there's something wrong with you there really is and uh, i think it this enters a larger question we have all we have really if you think about it is september october november december and then we have the 12 months we have 16 months and then a lame duck january 17 months and the way that this president is acting and the mounting evidence against him and the desperation to coordinate all of these, uh, aggregate all of these prosecutions and indictments against Trump. It really shows that just the, the sheer desperation, there's no, there's no, Mayorkas is not trying to defend the border. They have Uzbeks that are coming across right now this week. There's thousands of them. If 8 million people have entered the country since Biden took office, and just 1%, 1% were criminals or terrorists, I guess that's 80,000 people. The magnitude is staggering. Nobody defends that. So I could go on with energy, the economy, foreign policy, Afghanistan, crime. They don't even try to defend it. He just makes jokes about Bidenomics. He doesn't try to, nobody in that, there's not one single voice of all of that loud chorus that was demanding that Trump take the Montreal Cognitive Assessment that cheered Rod Rosenstein and Andrew McCabe on for trying to tape Trump to prove he was non-compos mentis, stealthily I may add, or they called in that crackpot psychiatrist Bandy Lee to say that Trump needed an interview. Not one of those people is saying anything right now about his cognitive decline. They all know it. They just cross their fingers and say, oh, my God, we got through another 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. day. We only have two more this week, three a week. And we have 17 months. And maybe we can get the Adderall or whatever, the Prevagen or something, and get him through this tenure and get over the Kamala Harris problem. But they're not trying to defend his health. They're not def- trying to defend his record and they're not trying to defend his honor. They know no. he's a crook. And all they can do now is they're, they've reduced it down to indict Trump in New York, indict Trump in Washington, indict Trump in Miami, indict Trump in Atlanta. And that's it. I don't think it's going to work. I really don't. I think that's going to all blow up either in impeachment and conviction or the or the serious illness of Joe Biden and have to leave office or this collapse of the economy or a, a massive defection in many of his constituencies especially and I say massive I'm talking about African Americans that might vote 20% against Biden especially if Cornell West is in their race you know and remember he he's a he's a at first glance, he's a failed rapper, kind of a charlatan Princeton professor. On second glance, he really, really is angry at the left. He's a man of the far left. And Barack Obama, when he was a nobody in the in the state legislature, used to toady up to the famous Cornel West. And when he was a senator, he used to brag that he was talking on the phone with Cornel West. As soon as he got to be president, he said, I don't need this guy anymore. He's crazy. He's weird looking. I don't need him. I don't want him. And he shunned him. He didn't even let his mother and Cornel West go to the inauguration. So I think he's going to, he's angry. He has been, and he's mad at the Democrats. He's a Bernie Sanders person. I think he's going to run. I really do.
1: Yeah, that will be interesting. What do you make of this? Um, We see these interviews and such of because Trump took, his mugshot, and it's out everywhere, that according to blacks themselves or the ones that have been interviewed, we can now relate to Trump. And this has turned a good 20, 25 percent to Trump's side because of the mugshot. Do you do you buy into that? or? It's a very weird
2: phenomenon bad? because nobody knows the extent of it. The media has focused on the conservative media. If you look at the left wing media, they say it's a racist trope. Oh, the right is exaggerating this because they associate criminality with blacks, and therefore they get a few black fake, uh, what Joe Biden would call, you ain't black, to say that now he's a brother or he's a honorary member, he's a thug Trump, because he too has a mugshot. And nobody knows. I, mm. I kind of discounted it with Jack. He touched on it just briefly, mm. because I think Fox News really ran with the story, and I, every time somebody says the black community collectively is going to make a historical uh, change in direction, I haven't seen it. And yet no. this president has been the most hostile to blacks. I mean, he not only has a long record of racist sentiment and expression going way back, but most recently, you know, he called an aide boy. Another person in Louisiana, he called boy. And you know, during the campaign, you ain't black. Put you in chain. All that's that whole history of it. And then when you look at his policies, they've been devastating to the black community. But they continue yeah. to support him collectively. Yeah,
1: so they sure I, I don't,
2: have. I don't know. But yeah. uh, things turn quickly in politics. You know, Ronald Reagan ran in seventy. Um, actually, he ran in sixty-eight, and he was considered a not uh, a polished version of Goldwater. And then it was Nixon, and then he ran, remember, he tried to absurd Gerald Ford in 76, and they said he's too right-wing, and then they said in 1980, he was not only too right-wing, he was out of touch, he was not part of the George H.W. Bush, um, you know, Gerald Ford, Richard Nixon. Wing of the right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so he was just, and he was too old, they said. And what happened in 80? He crushed jimmy carter so you never know these people people can change people that that race was very close people forget that in march and april of 1980 it was really close and suddenly you know by pretty much september he started to gradually but gradually pull out and it was people just collectively shrugged their shoulders and they said i've had it with carter I'm sick of this stagflation. I'm sick of the Iranian hostage. I'm sick of the sanctimonious lectures. I'm sick of all of this. I don't care what you say about Reagan. I'd rather have him any day of the week than this loser. And that's, that's what happened. And that can happen, especially when people are sick of trying to decipher what language Joe Biden is attempting to speak. They don't know what he's saying. He slurs his words. He has no syntax. He has no vocabulary, no grammar. He makes things up on the most solemn occasions. He's talking about the recent shooting in Jacksonville. And my gosh, he was just adding deaths. And it was all racist five years ago when they killed also a white person as well as blacks. He just mangles the facts or deliberately interprets, misinterprets them. He tries to demagogue it. Everybody's sick of that. And. Mm The, the, the big question everybody has is Donald Trump. That is, you can see what they're trying to do. They're trying to destroy him psychologically and physically. They're trying to bankrupt his campaign and him personally. $250 million lawsuit from Latita James on a nothing about, quote, unquote, overvaluing your real estate on a loan application that he got anyway and paid. He, there was no sign of any wrongdoing. But my point is that it, just because it's completely bogus in the here and now, and just because it's going to be reversed on at the appellate level or the Supreme Court level in a year or two doesn't mean that in in real time, it's not going to destroy him as a candidate. Yes, and I don't yes. know what the anecdote is that Trump is thinking about. What What mm-hmm. could you do? I mean, you're going to have to go before a largely non-white, hard left jury in Atlanta. When Fannie Willis is going to be running for governor. And it's just going to be to the jury, the subtext is going to be nullify the evidence. He's a orange bad person. He hates blacks. Convict him. And they can. And the same thing with Alvin Bragg with a similar jury in New York. And the same thing with Latita James and the civil that big suit in New York. And the same thing in Miami. And so how you st- it's it's One thing for people like myself to say, this is completely bogus. And there's a whole host of Democrats that could easily be indicted on these new protocols. But that doesn't change the reality. The reality is that we have an asymmetric, double standard jurisprudence, but it has the force of law still. And I don't know how you stop it.
1: No. And they are also... Timing all of these trials to come out super Tuesday, one right after. Yeah, <laughs> the the judge Chetkin Chut- in in D.C. wants to have March fourth, but so does Fannie Willis want to have March fourth. So they have a little bit of a s- spat. The going subtext, on over the March subtext 4th.
2: is what subtext that nobody is talking about. Yeah, nobody is talking about. We have been told for fifty years that the juries and the prosecutors and the judges must look like America, and that black America has suffered at the hands of asymmetrical, and that's true, white juries, especially in the South, white DAs, and white judges. But the African-American community makes up 12% of the population. But he's had four prosecutors that are going after him, Latina James, Fannie Willis, and Alvin Bragg, that's 75% of the prosecutors are black. And when you look at the judges, there's more than 12% of the judges are black. And when you look at the jury makeup, the majority of those jurymen are going to be black, which shouldn't mean anything. In a, a good America, an interracial work, America, diverse America, where race is incidental, but not to people in that leadership or the left who say that race is everything and race yeah. is essential racial essentialism and so what you're what they're trying to do is to really drum up hatred of Donald Trump in the black community to pay him back with disproportionately black juries and Trump knows that apparently that's why he calls you know Fannie bulls a racist he is and race is a sub text here of the democratic strategy. And that's why Joe Biden went down to Jacksonville and lied about the actual numbers of death, the race of the death of those killed five years ago, tried to demagogue that shooting by a white deranged nut, tried to evoke Ron DeSantis. But the subtext was, if you're a member of the African community, Look at what Donald Trump is like, and look what dissent is. These people do not like you, and you have a chance to get them back. That's the subtext. You can convict yeah. Donald Trump. And there's nothing anybody can say. What I just said, I'll get a call or some from some diversity, equity, inclusion czar at Stanford and said, Did you mention race on a podcast? That's where we are in this country. Yeah. So everybody knows what Fannie Willis is doing. Everybody knows what Alvin Bragg is doing. Everybody knows. What Letita James is, they have aspirations for higher office, they're trying to whip up racial hostility and extremism, they're counting on racial solidarity in the negative sense, and they're the most eager to call anybody racist who just said that.
1: Yes. Just one more question on that. Is there there anything preventing a judge from inhibiting discovery by refusing enough time to the defense? Because it seems to me that in the DC uh, case that it's for election misconduct, and they're trying to say that Trump knew that he hadn't One, and in doing his his defending lawyers will probably need to go through election um you know election ballots and recounts and such wouldn't they i mean to show that no he did not believe that that joe biden had well he's i I don't think that he really okay
2: i don't even know if they need to do that i don't think they will they will find one speech one interview one podcast one TV appearance where Donald Trump said, I lost the election. I just don't believe they'll find it. He thought yeah. that he won the election. He didn't think that he lost and he was trying to steal the election. No. When he when they said stop the steal, they meant they if the actual accurate ballot count was done, he would win. I don't know if that's true or not. Myself, I think that the fraud happened in March and April of that year as i said so many times when they changed the ballot laws for 70% of the electorate not voting in most states on election day but absentee or early where there was far less scrutiny and authenticity possible mm-hmm. and i and i just think they flooded those with the vote harvesting and ballot curing
1: they have a case like that in michigan where a woman brought in over 10,000 ballots exactly. from a city and there were only 3,000 registered voters or wait 3,000 possible voters that had not registered. In yeah, LCD. I mean, they they call that,
2: <laughs> if you say that in 2012, how could 30,000 people in precincts, a precinct in Philadelphia vote? Is it 30,000 to one to Barack Obama? That's that's impossible. And so we know that that goes on. And I think it really went on in 2020 because they had four years to prepare and they were given the gift of COVID that gave them an excuse to change the voting laws, yeah. Contr- contrary to the state legislatures, because they didn't do it by a vote in the legislature. They did it by lawsuits and bureaucratic edicts and de facto absorption of the registers work by people like Mark Zuckerberg, and it's $419 million. Yeah. And so it was really... In election, election interference. That's what's so weird about the whole thing. They keep, Fannie Willis t- keeps talking about Donald Trump tweeted things that were untrue. <laughs> I think, hello, that's what the Twitter is. It's a cesspool of untrue. <laughs> and, you know, it's just incredible. He, yeah. he was watching One American <laughs> News. Okay, so Joe Biden watches Rachel Maddow's lies about Russian collusion and disinformation. So what? It's not a crime. And that shows you how desperate they are. But that doesn't get back to the, but it doesn't mean just because they're themselves crooked and dishonest, it doesn't mean that they can't do Trump a lot of damage, is what I'm trying to say.
1: Yes, I know. Yeah. Well, you Victor, know? let's go ahead and take a break and then come back and talk a little bit about um, Ohio as a bellwether for elections, and then two German scientists who have published an essay in a German German journal that claim global warming is a corrupt, fear-mongering scheme headed by super-rich, and we'll talk about that. So stay with us, and we'll be right back.
0: Have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and veggies may actually lower lower your risk of cancer. Hopefully you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. If not, you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is found in each scoop. delicious Field of Greens. Will Field of Greens prevent, treat, or cure cancer? No, but it's so powerful it promises at your next checkup your doctor will notice your improved health or your money back. I got you 15% off and free rush shipping. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code VICTOR, V-I-C-T-O-R, for your discount. That's promo code VICTOR, at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com. At just the news, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia Collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at just the news. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events. And you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe.
1: Welcome back. So, Victor, the last thing on elections and parties and such that I wanted to ask you about is there was this article in Politico, which I know is a little left-leaning, and I thought it was interesting because Ohio is always considered a bellwether of elections. Not anymore, it's not. Well, he said that too, and he said, and it's also going very Republican. So, I was wondering, I was actually wondering what you thought about that. Um, because- well, it's like
2: Iowa. Iowa was always, you know, Tom Hartkin, left-wing agrarian populism. And Iowa is right-wing now. So was Ohio. So was Florida. And just when you think the conservatives are winning, it's not quite true. Because at the same time, Georgia was always a sure thing red state. It's a purple state now. And Arizona was a red state. It's a purple, if not blue state. California was a purple state. It's a hopelessly blue state. And part of it is the migrations of different populations. And part of it is uh, the changes in the parties. But Iowa and Ohio are pretty right wing. And, uh, you know, if you wanted to have a some speculation, if you had a prosecutor, in West Virginia, Utah, Ohio, Iowa, a rural prosecutor. And he said that Joe Biden came in hit uh, to his state, and he said things that were not true, or he said that uh, they changed the balloting laws, whatever they said, or they just said, you know what, Hunter Biden uh, is getting $16,000 a month in rent, and we don't have anything, and there was an Iowa bank that they could indict him. They could just indict him, and they everybody said this is so bogus. Yes, but he'd have to. His lawyers would have to show up, and every state could do this. That's what's so strange about it. They don't know the can of, the Pandora's box they're opening up, and that's all predicated on well, the Republicans they play by the crazy Marcus of Queensbury rules. They like to win. They don't win ugly. They lose nobly. We went ugly. They lose nobly. They will never do what we do because they know that if they did do that, if a West Virginia DA did what Fannie Willis is doing or Alvin Bragg, racist, homophobe, transphobe, sexist, and they would rather be called child molesters. So that's how they they operate. They're you know they're really shameless people. And uh, and they've got to kind of the Republicans have to find a formula to get out of this, and that raises this existential question we've talked about, and that is: do you lose nobly and then shame the winners as they drive you into oblivion, or do you go tit for tat? As I said, Defcon Five, and then hope the Republic can stand tit for tat, tit for tat. I.e., you say to these. Listen, you SOBs, you you impeached Trump for things he didn't do, but which Joe Biden did in spades. Joe Biden did not threaten to delay aid. He threatened to cancel it. Joe Biden, Donald Trump did not fire anybody. Joe Joe Biden threatened to fire a prosecutor. Donald Trump did not have family members on the trough in Ukraine. Joe Biden did. Donald Trump. Did not specifically go after Joe Biden, who was not an announced candidate or not, not really a, a viable one. Joe Biden's going after Donald Trump in the courts to his own DOJ, who's the leading primary announced primary candidate. So then if you're Kevin McCarthy, what do you do? Do you file? So they come up with this, well, we're going to have an impeachment inquiry, and that means we're going to put our finger on the pulse of the nation and feel feel where it is. But at some yeah. point, they're going to have to fish and cut bait. They're just going to have to say, you know what? We don't want to do this, but you guys do it. And you will never stop. You will never stop. And the next liberal Supreme Court justice, you appoint, they're going to get the Kavanaugh treatment. And the next time that you have a Democratic president, we have the House as now we're going to impeach him. And if we have the Senate majority up to 60, we're going to convict him. And you screw around with the Senate filibuster and the blue wall and the electoral college and new states uh, and the size of the Supreme Court, you better be careful because we can do it too unless we all stop agree to stop. And I think that's the only thing that's going to get their attention.
1: Yeah, I think so too. Well, let's turn to... German scientists, we all know that Germany is hopelessly green, speaking of things that are hopeless. And yet we have two German scientists that published in and, and it's its letters are EK, which are German words. So I'm not sure what the actual words are, but anyways, EK, the a journal, and they claimed that global warming is corrupt fear-mongering scheme headed by the super rich, and they want to impose a CO2 tax for their own benefit and for the government's benefit. Check, and, check,
2: <laughs> check, check, check.
1: And they're basically a, a contingent of the super rich billionaires who are trying to generate funds for their own machinations. Boom, period. So I was wondering your thoughts on this. You know, they are German um, scientists and Germany's yeah, crazy I mean, position on and and that stuff. Yeah,
2: goes back to Hitler. I mean, Hitler was an environmentalist. He That was the whole thing of Hitler Youth. They were going to go up and create the pure Nordic air as good little Aryans on special mountain pathways. And they were all going to be good vegetarians and recycle. And that's that's a very strong strain in Germany. But that being said, these scientists are very worried what they've done to the economy because Germany was the powerhouse of Europe. And one reason that Europe did not recover well from COVID and one reason its GDP is anemic, its joblessness is higher, is not just the structural socialism inherent because we're almost the same now, but because they're destroying the German productivity by shutting down coal and nuclear and natural gas plants, and then relying on solar and wind during the day. And, you know, it's not very, it's not, very, it's not like Arizona if you've been to Germany. It's more like northern Michigan. And, uh, it, it, believe it or not, it's not always that windy. And then at night, they count on French nuclear uh, power to supply their nighttime electricity which the French like to do because they make a lot of money off it but the reason the result of that is that the French industry believe it or not are becoming as competitive or more competitive than Germany and they're just they're going to have negative GDP if they don't watch it and so they've taken the lifestyle of the average German that was upwardly mobile and they've frozen it just like here yeah I think all this week it was so strange this week I had some people out working we were talking about wages uh, electricians. And they were telling me, they went through all the circuit breakers they use, the Romex, the junction boxes, everything, wall plugs. And there's no way that they can charge more, even though their wages are inflated, to make up to the cost of their materials. And the same thing was full of food. I I went to the supermarket the other day, and it's like steaks now, ribeye steaks or T-bones, it's kind of like... Let's view some animal in the zoo. You see people looking at them, they stare at them like, ooh, that looks so juicy, but I'm not going to buy it. I couldn't afford 30 or 40 bucks for a thin little cut of ribeye. <laughs> so he, Joe Biden did that. He inflated the economy when we had natural demand reoccurring after COVID, supply chain disruption. He printed $6 million, and then he had a complete fraudulent COVID program, and all he had to do was he just had to take a nap for six hours a day, let the border wall finish, and say, I closed the border. And then he just had to let the economy go on autopilot, and he could have said, this is the Biden economy. He just had to say, you know what, this is this is what I did. And he would have been inhaling the fumes of the Trump administration, and he'd be at 55% popularity. And then he'd have to give some boilerplate on good old Joe Biden just grant, and it's all can't we all get along? But his puppeteers, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren and the Obamas, wouldn't allow that. They just yeah, couldn't they thinking, couldn't allow yeah, that.
1: Yeah.
2: You can't do that. Too Barack wanted left. to be yeah. Barack couldn't be the hard left socialist he wanted to be. But he's dialing it in now, like he always dreamed he could. And that's where we are. And, and he's he gonna destroy to. the country.
1: No, he he's doesn't have destroyed to take a lot the heat. of it yeah you mean joe biden yeah he's yeah, he's yeah. destroyed
2: a lot of the com- com- he's ruined the military there's a, you look at military recruitment and essentially when you look at it very carefully and not what you know cnn says it's essentially the white male combatant is not joining it's just it's radical and maybe it's because they were targeted by Lloyd Austin and Mark Milley and the Chief of Naval Operation and Congressional Testimony. Maybe it's the, all the wokeness that they have to put up with. Maybe it's, the, you know, white privilege, white this, white when they're dying at twice their numbers in the demographics and war zones. I don't know what it is, but they're not joining and believing the trans community and the black community and the Latino have not stepped up to make up for that shortfall. And so, and that's that's going to be a real problem with the military. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how you fix that without just getting rid of, they should, they've got to have, whoever is a Republican nominee and president, they've got to go ballistic. They've just got to, to clean out that whole Pentagon corrupt hierarchy, FBI, CIA, DOJ. And it's, and they've just got to have a big smile on their face. When the left goes ballistic, because when Trump fired a few DOJ permanent apparatchiks, they said, oh, they can't do this. And of course, you look at the numbers that Obama fired. It was not even close. And so they're just going to have to shield themselves from this hysterical left counter response. and They're going to have to develop a new mentality that when they do something that's right, and restores the integrity of the country, they're gonna say, now that I have done it, I just hope they call me sexist, racist, protectionist, nativist, misogynist, homophobes, trans. If they don't, I'm gonna be disappointed. Please. And when they have that attitude, when they yes. have that attitude, they're gonna win.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And
2: then they're gonna to have to say, if I write a book and I'm a senator, or I'm a major conservative thinker, I just hope that it's ignored by NPR, PBS, New York Review of Books, The New Yorker. Please, please, just don't even think about. And when they get that attitude, they will be good. And when they get the idea that they're a talking head, and they're never, ever called by NPR or CNN or MS, that should be good. And I know some of you are saying, well, Victor, you have to get your view to the other side. Well, you can't get your view to the other side. Believe me, you Mm -hmm. cannot do it. They're not going to let you do it. You just have to get the idea that you're going to have to change their hearts and mind. And if if you're captivated by their enticements, you're done for. Or if you're afraid of their slurs, you're done for. So just you've got to get a new... It doesn't mean you have to be mean and nasty and confrontational. But you have to understand where they're coming from. They despise conservatives. They despise the nuclear family. They despise the heterosexual paradigm. They disguise, they de- absolutely despise the working middle class. They despise the middle of the country and just accept it and then deal with it and teach them the error of their ways. And if you don't do that, you've lost the country. Yeah, because they're serious people. They want to take over the power. They don't believe in elections. We talked about that. There's, you know, New York Times wrote an op ed or was it The Washington Post or both about why elections are dangerous. Well,
1: I have. If we can move on to another yep. subject, I have a couple of stories on energy that I thought were interesting in the papers to uh, this week. Navajo Reservation is opposing a ban on drilling near Chaco Canyon, so they're upset about that. And then on the other side, a Pew poll came out showing that Americans are for nuclear power. Um, at 57% in 2023, which is up from 43% in 2016. I was wondering if you had any thoughts either on drilling for oil or nuclear power. Yeah, isn't that
2: funny about Native Americans that that support for oil drilling on their own property where they live on it is analogous to, <laughs> to the Burning Man uh, protest where those elite nasal sounding white noodle arm obnoxious people block the road on a reservation byway you know they have to go through the reservation in nevada yes. and there are all that. those cars and sweltering heat that were suffering probably a lot of people were suffering from heat stroke or they would have and the <laughs> native american police just you know blew right through their little demonstration, why they were shrieking that this can't happen to me. I can't believe this is happening. And they're in their proverbial fetal positions and they just threw their trash to the side and them with it. And (laughs) they didn't know what the intersectionality intersectionality rationale was. Wait a minute. We're left wing white wealthy people. And (laughs) there's a bunch of hippie wealthy white middle class people at Bernie, but you're people of color and we're here to patronize you. You can't do that to us. You owe us this, and you don't know anything about your own climate. So we're here to teach you what's good for you. Well, as we go back to Palo Alto, and we're done. And that's, that's the attitude. So you know when they when they say they would rather drill, so so you you think that say I'm Nancy Pelosi up in her Napa estate with her kids all in private school and their grandkids in private school and they're worth two hundred million bucks. And sweetheart, government deals, and they're all environmentalists. Or Tom Steyer, from his "Let's ban coal," after I made a billion dollars out of it in Indonesia, putting it down the throats of third world people, so I could have my Tahoe estate and entertain Joe Biden. Those people are going to say to Native Americans, "Now you're not. You're going to have to be poor, but you're going to be noble and poor. We're going to admire your poverty because you're going to be out in this godforsaken desert." And you're sitting right on top of a bonanza. But you know, because we taught you that it's worth billions and it could enrich, but it would just corrupt you. So we know how to handle our wealth. And we are accustomed to a particular lifestyle, which is necessary for us to have be freed up to help you. So no, 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 no. You're not going to drill that material under your own soil that would help your own countrymen and the middle class. Because we have enough money with John Kerry and all of us to fly, you know, at $9 a gallon for aviation for you. That's no problem on a private stream. But you can't do that. And we're going to hear it to tell you that. And I think that's what it's all about. Never. Oh, I sure know that banal, I've always say it's kind of banal, you know, never subject to the consequences of their own. The moment they are, boy, the moment Eric Adams and all those New York elites are confronted with all these aliens, they romanticize at a distance. And <laughs> suddenly the people taking over hotels, they want this, they want that. They, can't, they say, screw you, we're here. As soon as they you know, or parachuted into Martha's Vineyard, and all those weird white people say, Oh, we like these little pets. They're so cute. Let's go have a little illegal immigration sanctuary shelter. I'm going to bring my extra milk over. Mm, I have an old blanket I don't use, but I got it at, you know, a really nice place. North face. So I'll bring my old North face blanket over for them. Oh, they're so sweet. Uh, Wait a minute. They're like Joe Biden looking at his watch during the Afghan thing. You know, oh, oh, let me take a look. They've been here 36 hours. You guys, we just love to have you, but we just want to help you. And We rented some buses. So get the fuck out of here. Go to northern New York. Yes, (laughs) that's how they are. That's how the left wing
1: they are. And that attitude about how all these uh, racial groups owe them is a really annoying attitude. It
2: is. Well. It is. It reminds so. me of my father, man. like That guy was a genius. He took me to UC Santa Cruz in 1971, and he just took me. And my brother was there at one dorm, and he went over to Cal College, and he walked down that dorm room, and he saw these... He said, I've never seen anything like it, Victor. There's full holes in the wall where they kick it and they put Shea, po- Shea Govera posters. And I said, that guy's got drug prices on his door, my dad goes. And he went into urinate in the boys' dorm. And he said, there's girls and boys in there. And I said, yeah. That, he said, what outfit is this? It's a University of California. My God and I said these people are crazy and he said you know what these people are going to be running the country in 30 years then we've had it and
1: <laughs> he was right
2: he was right he was right and he couldn't he couldn't believe it he looked around he said you're going to have no problem and i said why and he said i do not think i've seen these specimens he said specimens <laughs> that was kind of cruel and he said i haven't seen a bicep larger than 6 inches <laughs> <laughs> and he said, they all speak through their nose. Why do they speak through their nose? I go, what do you mean, dad? He goes, well, I talked to them. I went over and asked direction. They go, wow, we don't really know. He said, what's wrong with that? Is it air problems in Santa Cruz? And He it was, it was so funny. He just said, you're going to have a, a, a hell of a time here, I suppose. I hope you make it out alive, but it's a lot cheaper than the private school. So I'm glad you're here because it's going to save me some money, but I don't know what we're doing. This could be catastrophic. <laughs> <He said that. laughs> and now, you know, I get the UCSC uh, newsletter and he was absolutely, I read about these guys and I have two reactions. One is the name conjures up this image, you know? So I was kind of a, I don't know, a nerd, but a jock. I don't know what you'd call me, but there's about five of us. There's a guy from Modesto, Gary Eber, and he's a wonderful guy. And my cousin and brothers and some guys from Merced and Bakersfield, we were all out of, you know, fish out of water. But all these people from Palos Verdes Estates, Pacific Palisades, Atherton, you name it, and they were all there. And I saw them, and they all had long hair, whiny voice, barefooted, using drugs, disrupting class, uh, using the F word to professors, boycotting Cambodia, trying to shut down, all that stuff. And then I see the alumni news come out, and they're all just what you'd think. Big agent in Hollywood, Jim Smith, class of 75 now runs talent associates in Hollywood, you know, or runs six <laughs> six hotels or owns 10 restaurants or uh, Bill. Bill Jones now is the wants to announce he's the head of principal hedge funds. And they all just went right back to what we all knew they were going to do, except, except they're not like Henry Ford or Carnegie. They're They use their money to destroy things, not build them, once they get them. So they're the people behind blowing up the four dams in the Klamath River. They're the people behind uh, putting this high-speed rail Stonehenge in the valley, why they won't let it get near uh, the Bay Area until they find out whether we die with it or not. And they're the people behind telling Native Americans, don't you dare tap your own natural resources to become rich like us. Don't dare.
1: Yeah. Well, Victor, let's go ahead and take a break and come back and talk about your website for a bit and an article that you have on it Who Destroyed San Francisco and Why? Stay with us, and we'll be right back. Welcome back. I would like to remind everybody that Victor can be found at his website, victorhansen.com. You can join it for a subscription for $5 a month or $50 a year. Um, or you can come on for a free subscription and just get newsletter. But with the subscription, you get the VDH Ultra articles, and you have a very interesting one on this week, Victor. It's called "Who Destroyed San Francisco and Why," and you have a really beautiful first um, part to it that describes just how beautiful the city had once been. and And at part two, you turn to well, what happened to this beautiful, vibrant cultural? cultural culturally sorry productive city and you do talk a little bit about anarchists grasping government guilt-ridden leading class narcissists and atheists and um, community activists but then you go to what you call the real culprits and i was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about that
2: before i do i i you're right in the first part i tried to explain what a beautiful city it was and why it was so successful. First of all, it's got this climate of about 65 to 75 year round. And San Francisco Bay, it's very hard. You know, the Piraeus is sort of like that. And Pearl Harbor is sort of like that. And there's places, Chesapeake Bay and things like that. But it's the most beautiful harbor. And it's so it, once you get through the Golden Gate, it's huge. And so it has this beautiful harbor. It's got this beautiful climate. The mountains meet the oceans. You can have redwoods look over, looking the beach. And what did our ancestors do? Once the city had burned down, they created this wonderful transference of water from Hetch Hetchy and, and the California Water Project. So you've got this... Crystal Springs Reservoir, it goes up almost the length of 280 and as you go into the city. So, they solved that problem. They gave us the BART system that, that updated the cable car, the Muni system. So, it's got all this mass transportation. It's tucked right between two powerhouse universities. UC Berkeley and rivalry with the private counterpart, Stanford, and they have these wonderful why they did law schools and medical schools and engineering and computing. And then it it was tied in with this brilliant freeway system in the 1960s. SFO was one of the, you know, really path-breaking airports in the country. And so they they made a paradise. And, you know, we've talked about this so often when you look at glimpses in Bullet or any of these movies, Vertigo. You can see it. You can see how people were honored to go there. They dressed everybody you talked to at my generation. I'm going to be 70 next week. They say when I was a little boy, my parents maybe put a tie on, or we all got dressed up and we took the train, or we took the bus, or we drove up to San Francisco. We went to Fisherman's Wharf. We went to Golden Gate Park. We went to the Palace of Fine Arts. We went to the San Francisco Giants at Candle's. We went to Keysar Stadium. It was all. It was like a romance. The city was immaculate. And then not since 1964 have you had a Republican mayor. And we had our last real Republican with Pete Wilson. But after the Reagan took Major Wilson, the state was over. I don't count Arnold Schwarzenegger as anything. He's, I don't, he has no politics. No. It was just whatever. It was convenient and, and for his bluster. But... The result is that we took, and then we had the Richmond Bridge, the Bay Barrier, the Bay Bridge, the Golden Gate, the Dumbarton Bridge, the San Mateo. We inherited it. We could crisscross the bay at will. It was it was an, it was absolutely amazing. And what did, what did this generation do with all that? They go there today. They destroyed it. They made a law that says if you steal less than nine fifty, it's state law, but city too. You can just steal. So people just go in and steal. And they're closing all of these landmark iconic stores down. So we did it to ourselves. And I tried to, you know, go, go through it. They defunded the police. London Breed, the woman who's mayor who was caught at the French Laundry without a mask after Hector and everybody about it. She can say all she wants about the police, but she was a big defunder. All of them were. And you know we had this. What was his name? Chasa Boudin. Yes. And George Gascon first, and then then we got they got rid of him. He was so awful. So they just they just unleashed the criminal class, and then the climate's nice. The money was easy, and people that were homeless targeted that place, and they let them defecate and urinate, and destroy the downtown, and then they decided that this was the perfect place to make it the reparations capital of the world. So you had this weird disconnect where 3% of the state's population was committing 50% of the, of the violent crimes, if not more, in San Francisco. And no one wanted to mention that because we don't like to stereotype people collectively, except the 3% leaders with stereotyping everybody else but themselves. And they were not speaking any longer about whites of the present as individuals that were unique persons. But white supremacy, white supremacy, white privilege, white privilege, white rage, white rage, white rage, you owe us, you owe us, you owe us. And so finally, people look at all this city and they say, well, wait a minute. Before you want reparations, if you believe that you can speak collectively for a whole people without individual differences, then would you do you exercise that ability that you have assumed and tell people hey, don't smash and grab, don't swarm a store, don't carjack, because we are, as a community that I represent, we are doing this at about 20 times our demographic, and it's not right. And so that's another thing about it. It's just the, the legal system, and who has it given us? So I try to name names. Who has who it given us in the national stage? It's given us Nancy Pelosi and Pelosiism, which is hard leftism. This is that San Francisco is a natural expression of her dreams of utopia. There's no meritocracy, it's racially obsessed, there's no rule of law, there's homelessness, rampant crime, and it finally bit her when her husband was attacked, but it wouldn't have bitten her because she's usually at her Napa Valley wall gated estate. So she was immune from the consequences of her own ideology. Then they gave us Diane Feinstein. Remember her at the Kavanaugh hearing, all of that rhetoric. And where was she most of the time? She has a big estate. I think she just sold it for 40 million bucks or something up at Lake Tahoe. And then it gave us the election denialist Barbara Boxer. Remember her? Senator Barbara Boxer. She's a, put a boxer in your corner. Vote for Barb. And what did she do? She tried to deny the 2004 election. And she went so far as organizing 32 House members not to certify or to at least delay the count of the Ohio electors, even though she knew that those vote counts in the computers were accurate. And that's exactly what they're indicting Donald Trump for. Well, where's she now? Is she living on Market Street that she helped create? No, she's down there somewhere in Rancho Mirage. And then we had Jerry Brown and Jerry Brown did the same thing. He was governor for eight years and then he was mayor of Oakland and then he was mayor of San Francisco and then he was governor again for eight years. And he doesn't seem to like to work in the private sector, but he had his vision and he was the best of them. But his vision is what we see now. And it, so is Jerry Brown now living uh, on Union Square and he's walking the streets of San Francisco, uh, attending to the needs of people who are on the street, protecting himself from smash and grab, parking his car with a window down with a placard that says nothing here, please please pass by. Is he flying over and seeing the bloom, brown flume from feces that s- flow out of the storm drains? No, he's up in Grass Valley, Grass Valley, one of the most picturesque places in the Sierra So, And then we go to Gavin Newsom, mayor for eight years now. He's been governor. He usually has two or three Marin County homes. Or usually we hear about them in the right-wing press that they're late on their taxes, but he's not subject to any of it. So it's like that line in taxes, they make a They make a desert and they call it peace. They ruin a city and then they flee and they say it's a success. And Mm. it's, it's sad. They just, they tried to destroy the Merocratic famous Lowell high school for two or three years. And they got rid of Merocratic.
1: Yeah. Well, the sadder thing is, is that the, San Franciscans get very angry at a DA that's very left and has destroyed their city, and then they just elect another one just like it. Same thing in New York. Yeah, like absolutely. Same, and they just elect another mayor, so the the future just has this continuation of these. Well, flummox- they elected
0: they San elected
2: San Willie Brown, and he ruined the city. And they said we shouldn't do that. And then they elected in two thousand four Gavin Newsom. They said he was awful. The city's getting worse. Then they elected Bill Lee, and it got worse. So why did they do they? Inv- they they elected the worst of all of them, London Breed, and they had all of that warning. The same thing with everything about that. And this is a city wow. that's in that proverbial doom loop because the state is charged thirteen point three on top incomes. It has about a ten to twelve percent sales tax, depending on the county that you live in. It has the highest gas taxes in the United States, and what do you get for? You get schools that are rated. 45th in the country. Infrastructure is rated 47th. The 99 freeway, the chief longitudinal artery in the state's freeway systems, not even a freeway in every place. And it's got the most deaths per 100,000 miles driven of any freeway in the United States. You have a high-speed rail relic, 15 years, 15, 20 billion, not one track late. So people say to themselves, we pay all this money. We're insulted. Their cities are pre-civilizational. And how are these people elected? They're nihilists. They like to destroy things. They have the on Midas touch. They really do like to destroy they
1: things. They do.
2: And you could stop it really easy. You know how one way you could stop it? You could just say, you know what? California is not that densely populated. We've got vast swath- swaths of land, and we're going to ease up the vote. We're going to ease up zoning, and we're going to build homes. We're going to try to build 5 million homes a year. And if you made homes accessible to people, it would make a huge difference. Because a lot of the problem is there's you can't pay $2,000 a square foot for a Bay Area wreck of a cottage.
1: That's, that's true.
2: And they really need to do that. They need to cut the taxes way back. 53% of every birth in California is a Medi-Cal birth. Think of that. 53%. And you ask, well, is it going to get higher? Yes, 600,000 people left in the last 18 months. And believe me, I don't think they were the people who were having children on Medi-Cal. So you can see that the people who are coming across the border come to California and numbers about 50%. They end up about 50% of the aggregate number of illegal entrants come to California eventually and it has the most liberal welfare system in the country, and one-third of the country's welfare recipients live here. And we went from about having 10 per, 10% ten below the poverty line up to about 22%. One out of five more live below the poverty line. Most of them, I, th- I think, right outside my home. And we did that. And somebody says, well... What's going to happen to them? Well, if you come from the poorest place in the world, south of the border, and you come up to this wealthy area, it's got a lot of life left in it. But not if you are not educated and not if you don't preserve the inheritance from prior generations that were much better than you. Yeah. Well, Victor,
1: you're... Dogs are announcing the end of our podcast here. I just have one last final thing. We're not doing
2: World War II today, are
1: we? No, we're doing that for tomorrow. So the weekend podcast will be the end of World War II and how the Allies won. Um, But one sad thing, um, Samuel Joseph Bacher, we know him more fondly as joe the plumber joe the plumber this, yeah he died on the 27th of this month i saw he that it, cancer and i thought we should just have a little tribute to yeah he one was of the he first was. canceled people he was really he was
2: canceled. he he came spontaneously at a barack obama rally and he pointed out that he might have a chance to have a chance in life if he could buy a plumbing company that might give him two hundred and fifty thousand dollars and income, But he couldn't do it if Obama was going to raise taxes at the federal level in addition to high state taxes and then Obamacare and all this. And what did Obama say to him? He just dismissed him and said, well, we've got to do this. And uh, if you make too much, then you're going to have to pay because you want to give money to people so they can buy your plumbing services. And that means we spread the wealth. So he did get Obama to say something that no other politician had been able to do, to admit that he was a socialist.
1: Yeah. You said, um, we want to be sure the people behind you have the opportunity of success as well. Think
2: of that. So here's a guy who worked his whole life as a plumber. He never made any money. He finally got married. He had three kids and he got a brain tumor and died. And Barack Obama, who's probably worth four or 500 million with his sweetheart deals with Netflix and all these other companies for which he did nothing. Uh, excuse me. He provided, quote unquote, intellectual content for their uh, movies or themes. And he, all, he cut those deals the last three months when he was golfing in the White House, where Trump and Clinton went at it. He He realized something very brilliantly that to see and hear Barack Obama was not to like him. And he was down in the 30s. And then he thought, wow, I'll just let Hillary fight it out with Donald Trump. The people get angry at both of us. I'll be seen golfing. It's presidential, say some platitudes once in a while, but mostly get in all the Silicon Valley guys and cut lucrative deals for me why I have power. And that's what he did. And then he bought his three homes. Well, did Joe the plumber that he made fun of as some stupid bourgeoisie, did Joe the plumber live in Martha's Vineyard or Calorama or have retained his his upscale home in Chicago or maybe build a $10 million home on Oahu? A mansion in Hawaii. uh, uh, Yeah, on (laughs) on on the beach. No, he didn't do any of that. And he cashed in. Came As I said, he had a brilliant formula. Don't listen to me because you won't like me. Don't see me because you won't like me. And I will be popular and I will cut deals and use my office to leverage a huge payoff the moment I get out. As soon as he got out of office, he got on that private jet and met David Giffen and all the guys on the yacht and that celebrity crowd. And that's who he was. And he made fun of this, this blue collar guy. Joe, the plumber, and they really unleashed on him. You remember? They yeah. said, oh, he owns $1,200 in back taxes. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. Twelve hundred Yeah, they said yeah. that. And unlike yeah. Hunter Biden that owned, probably owed $2 million. They really mm-hmm. went after him. And it was like, who was the other guy in Florida? Who, it was uh, the Cuban guy that was the contractor. Remember the builder? Um, or something?
1: Trio or something yeah. was a trio, yeah. I think. Yeah.
2: He was also remember. had his moments of fame.
1: Yeah, he had those, the sunglasses on. And, yeah, and those were apologize. the bleak
2: years. Those were the bleak yeah. years of the country went unhinged with Barack Obama. There's a good article, by the way, in Finishing by David Horsani that traces back mostly a lot of the dissension, disunity, anger, and failure to the eight static years of Obama, where he increased taxes, he increased regulation, he rammed down the throats. Of all of us, this disastrous Obamacare. He exploded the debt, and he really decided that it was time to start talking about race and polarizing term. You know, yeah, I wish yes. I had a, Trayvon was the son I never had. He looked like the son I never had. The Beer Summit, yep. all of that racial demagoguery. He started it. You know.
1: Yeah. And who wrote this article again? I'm sorry. It was
2: David Hart I think his name is. And he's a very skilled writer. And he was really I'd written one like that about a year earlier that all roads lead back to Obama. Yeah. And uh, that guy, it was just incredible when he was running for president in 2008. He had that crooked deal that he never reported the income of Tony Resco. Remember buying that lot? right next to the Obama mansion so they could have an expansive yard. And he basically sold it at well below the market price. And that should have been counted as a gift. He never paid income tax on that gift. Mm -hmm. Um, And he just got away. He was the law professor. He kept telling everyone, I'm a professional. No, you weren't. You got a sabbatical at the University of Chicago to write a book on constitutional law. And instead, you outsourced your life story to Bill Ayers It probably helped ghostwrite your dreams for my father, which you passed off as an autobiography, which was mythography. It was most of the stuff wasn't true and was exposed as such. Well, he was just a complete fraud. He really was. Yeah, and he was. Did, and he did a lot of damage. And I think he's very upset now because, you know, Nobody wants to hear, and we have hope, and we have change. They they just don't, it doesn't resonate. And Michelle, they, they're tired of her little lecture. I know she's very popular with her memoirs, but basically they're angry that they could have been the big radicals, and they they played it safe, and now they think they can recoup by running the Biden administration, by phoning it in. And they may be right. Joe Biden yeah. is the most radical administration in our history. I think more yeah, so than 1933, sure. 34, global And with that... take
1: a note to end on. Yes. Thank you very much, Victor. Thank you to all our listeners as well.
2: Thanks, everybody, for listening.
1: This is Sammy Wink and Victor Davis Hanson, and we're signing off.
3: Hey there, it's Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my new exciting podcast. Furthermore, with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the Dynamic Just the News Podcast Network on this fresh and engaging podcast i delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist exploring the furthermore of every story but this isn't your typical run-of-the-mill news commentary or politically charged program i interview a diverse range of guests including business leaders entertainers musicians educators experts politicians and many influential figures from both the united states and around the world so why not make your mondays wednesdays and fridays a little more interesting